This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. About 25 years ago, and I didn't really share this in the first service, but there was a, my birthday actually is Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, but it was on a Sunday, and, and I know that this is going to be real uh, hard for you to connect with, but I want you just to pretend that you had a time in your life where you felt life was unfair, and you felt robbed, and you felt that things were just not going anywhere. I, it was my birthday, and it was Sunday, and I was feeling sorry for myself. I was like, here it is, it's Sunday night service, and I'd already had served Sunday morning, and, and I was just giving, and I was walking around like a child. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, I was like a child, walking around and just, you know, kind of uh, all attitude. And uh, anyway, my wife had planned something like Richard for that evening, and the church was all about celebrating my birthday on a Sunday. I had no idea. And so um, we're in this, I promise this goes right with the message today because we're going to talk about receiving. And God changed my life that day about receiving. See, it's so important for us to learn how to receive. And we're going to read today in John chapter 1 where it says, to them that receive, they become a child of God. Which means if you can hear about God, you can talk about God, but unless you can receive from God, you're not going to act like his child. And I was acting the furthest thing from acting like God's child at that moment. And so here, here um, I'll send my wife. And again, I don't, I don't have any idea what's going on. It's a complete surprise. The lights go down in the service. And, and uh, Carol, who was my assistant at that time at the church, she's pushing this cart with, I think, like 30-some candles on it. And it is like lighting up to the point where it's like going to start a fire. And it's, so the only thing you can see is this cake. And all God speaks to me was, you don't know how to receive love. You know how to give it. You know how to serve it. But you don't know how to receive it. And it really hit me. I've learned. Thank you. I learned how to receive. And I'm thankful for trials because see what trials do is they show you who you really are or who you really aren't. And in that moment, I did not know how to receive. And God brought this trial or this test in my life to show me what he wanted me to be, to learn how to receive. Because when you learn how to receive, you can't give what you don't have. And if you don't know how to keep receiving more and more of God's love, so I could receive it from God, but I couldn't receive it from God's kids. And so I was really deficient in my walk with God. And uh, a few weeks ago, we started this series, Obeying the Promptings. And I know that we had a, a week in there for Mother's Day. And in fact, uh, thank you so much for giving me a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so anyway, on my, on my birthday. So anyway, but uh, I felt your love, girl. I felt your love. But anyway, the point is, is that uh, we had a Mother's Day in the, in the middle there. 
And so we had talked to, uh, about surrendering. And that's why we have this altar here. And I remember when we were building this building, we were at one time, in fact, for some of you that remember when we bought this building, we were facing that direction. And then over here was the nursery. We had a kind of a, a big box area. It was a nursery over here. And so when we were actually thinking about getting more seats in here because the church was growing and stuff, we were contemplating, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we, you know, we going to do this? And so we had an opportunity to um, actually expand. And then all of a sudden we thought, you know what? What's so important for us is that people come to the altar and hear God's voice. When we started this church, it was about, you know, the vision was help people hear God's voice. And so if you read from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, what we have is a whole bunch of character studies and a whole bunch of craziness that goes on for people that struggle hearing God's voice. I mean, Adam and Eve from the very beginning were walking with God and yet not receiving what God was really saying. So all it took for them is one little tree. I'm not sure if it was little. It's probably not little at all. But one tree to get them off their game with God. And really the devil's been doing that because we know we could blame the devil all we want because the devil was certainly part of that. He lied and got and manipulated the situation. He's still doing the same thing today. He's lying and manipulating, trying to get us off our walk with God. And I would like to help you, and I, as much as I'm, I'm you know, trying to learn myself, is how to stay in the path of righteousness with the Lord. God has given me the Holy Spirit. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die on that cross. All of it so that I could learn how to receive. There are many people that have heard God's word, heard the Bible, heard the truth, heard about the cross, but don't know how to receive. And so because they don't know how to receive, the power of the cross doesn't come and change their life. So it's not just about what God has done. It's about you receiving what God has done. And it's not just about the promises that are filled in the Bible. There's promises of hope. There's promises of love. There's promises of forgiveness. There's promises of healing. There's promises of prosperity. There's promises of commitment. There's promises of covenant. There's promises, promises, promises. In fact, the Bible says, forget not all his promises or his benefits. In fact, this has prompted me, this whole series has prompted me to write another series to, you know, in a few more weeks I'm going to give, and that's basically how you fight for his promises. I remember when my wife was struggling with headaches, migraine headaches couldn't seem to shake him. And I would pray for her. And, you know, the Bible says that God, Jesus came here and, you know, that by his stripes we are healed, right? And I'm like, and why are we still dealing with these migraines? I can remember going to an altar one day and just asking God and said, God, what's wrong with me? How come I cannot lead? How come I not got pray and see my wife delivered of these headaches? And then I remember talking to Brendan, we were just, like we do, we talk about the Bible all the time, and, and we don't have all the answers. We, that's why we talk about the Bible, is because we're searching for answers. Amen? And so we're talking in one of these discussions, and all of a sudden the Lord really prompted me to talk to her about Joshua. And so you can't really get a picture of the plan of God without studying Joshua. I mean, here, you know, you, you come right out of the, the book of Exodus, and uh, it's an 11-day journey. 40 years they're into it, and they still ain't got there. I mean, they have some serious GPS issues. Amen? <laughs> they just don't know how. 
You know, and I love the GPS, Global Positioning Service of God. It's God Positioning Service. That's what I want to be. I don't want to have an 11-day journey that takes me 40 years. I don't want that. And so what keeps me in the space is that you can go over, round and round and round and round. Haven't I seen the same area in my life? Haven't I seen the same geography in my life? And Joshua takes this journey, and the first place we learn, and I, again, I don't want to get into my message series that's coming, is that the first thing that you always do with God is you give it to Him first. I don't care if it's a trial. I don't care if it's a, a moment of success. He gets it first. That's Jericho. The first thing you see in the journey is Jericho. Give it to God first. Give Him first place in your marriage. Give Him first place with your children. Give Him first place in your finances. Give Him first place in your thoughts. Give Him first place in your heart. Give Him first place in your struggles. Give Him first. Seek God first and His kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. And so today we're going to talk about receiving. We're going to talk about what keeps us from receiving. Man, I've seen some good people, godly people, just struggle over and over and over with the same issues. Addictive situations. Struggle over and over with those situations. I have seen people struggle over and over when it comes down to, you know, uh, just promises, viruses, sicknesses. I've seen, you know, go over, get, all of a sudden Johnny gets the sickness, and then Susie gets the sickness, and then, sis, you know, and Sarah gets the sickness, and then mom gets the sickness, and dad gets it. You know what? And yet, the Bible is very clear what the promises of God said. God didn't, we know that sickness ain't going to be in heaven. And God told us to pray, thy will be done on earth as well as it. So if we can all agree that God doesn't want sickness on, in heaven, then why can't we agree with the promise he doesn't want on this earth? And he told us, we're supposed to pray, thy will be done which means if we're supposed to pray it, that means it's not an automatic. If it was an automatic, God wouldn't ask you to pray it. But what happens is all of a sudden, we just think because we accepted Christ, everything is an automatic and that you don't have any place. In fact, again, that's my whole message here is coming. You've got to learn how to fight. And that's what I shared with my wife. I says, even though the promise of everything was to Joshua, he had to fight for every promise he got. And then he had to fight to keep it. No wonder Paul says, I have finished the fight. That's when he, I mean, there's a lot of things that Paul could have said, but he said, I have finished the fight. So if you would turn with me, 1 Thessalonians, it's actually, sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, which is our, our theme of this whole message, our scripture theme. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of, of his call. May God give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. In this space of this message, in this scripture, it's telling us that God wants us to live a life worthy of his call. He's got a call in all of our lives, and he wants us to walk worthy of it. And then it says the only way to walk worthy of it is to follow these promptings, which means if I don't follow the promptings, then I'm going to miss out on the call. And if I miss out on the call, I'm really going to miss out on everything that God had made for my life. I am not going to live out his plan and his design. So I better learn how to listen to these promptings. And that's what this whole message is here. How do we hear the space in God's promptings? Hebrews 11 verse 6 
another scripture we've been turning to through this message series. But without faith, without trust, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Most of you probably in this room right now, not all of you believe that he is. But I wonder if you believe part B. And that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God wants to reward your life? Because you're diligently seeking him. Or do you struggle receiving what God says, these rewards? And we're going to talk about the struggle of why we struggle receiving. Now, if you've, maybe you've caught this on. Uh, maybe you haven't. But I always like to talk about themes. And then I like to find a character that really confirms the theme that I'm sharing in the Bible. Because I believe that God has initiated 6,000 years of history in life so that we can learn from. You know, they, they say that um, you know, experience is one of the best teachers, but it's also the one that takes the longest. I'd rather learn from somebody else's experience. And that's the Bible. The reason God wants you to read the Bible and learn from the Bible is so that you can learn, and so that you don't have to learn by the only other way is through experience. You can learn from somebody else's experience. That's We would call them testimonies. Amen? All right. I want to use the, the uh, person you've probably never heard of. Maybe you have. And he's found in Judges chapter 11. And his name is Jephthah. All right? And he comes from a hardship situation. And I, I believe God picks some of these people that have lived really hard lives so that you know that no matter what has happened in your life, that God can still do something great with you. Judges chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are a son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. Interesting, isn't it, when all of a sudden you feel rejected and hurt and thrown away in a discard? That's kind of the way you think. That's the people you hang around with. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler of all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness. The elders replied, we promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon asking, why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from Ammon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to Jordan. Now then, give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom asking for permission to pass through his land but the request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. 
Finally, they went around the Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the either side of the Amon River, but they never once crossed the Arnon River into the Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave the people victory over the king of Sahan. Now, I'm going to jump all the way um, a little bit farther, and I'm going to read 30, 31 33. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating them 20 towns from Aror to an area near Mineth, and as far as abel Karam. Now, here's what I want to share with you. Take your time in your own study. Look up the king of Sahan. You're going to find him in the book of Judges. You're going to find him in the book of Numbers. And what's going to happen is, is all of a sudden you're going to start reading or starting to see a storyline that gets played out. What God has done with the Israelites is he's brought them out of Egypt powerfully. Do you know that's what God wants to do with you as a son or daughter? He wants to bring you out of your wilderness, but I want you to say he wants you to bring it out Powerfully. Powerfully. The Israelites had so much slavery, so much of the world inside of them, God says, I got to teach them how to fight. They don't know how. It took 40 years of wilderness journey that should have taken 11 days. If they would have really known how to receive God and the power of God in life and the promise of God in life, they would have got to that promised land in 11 days. But because they didn't know how, we are those people. We are just like the Israelites. We struggle receiving. We struggle believing that what God has promised, what God wants to do in and through our life, we struggle recognizing that God wants to be powerful in our life. The Bible says God's eyes go to and fro to look after and find himself. He might show himself powerful in. You say, well, why, Pastor Ron? Because we have so much noise inside of us. We have the noise of addictions. We have the noise of our politicians. We have the noise of the internet. We have the noise of what our gene pool has given to us, passed on. In fact, I just had a a man that just came to me after in service. Him and his wife says, look, our doctor just told us that my husband has been diagnosed with early lines of, uh, of dementia. Pastor Ron, you've taught us how to fight. You've taught us to believe how to fight for what God has promised. Will you walk beside us? I says, yes, but we're going to give a testimony before and after. Because I can remember 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with arthritis. Not a sign. Not a sign. You know why? Because it was a fight for the promise it wasn't an automatic it was a fight between heaven and earth what we're going to learn in fact we're going to learn this and really soon here is i'm going to talk about the book of job in the book of job you find that there is god's heavenly army and satan's defallen army resisting the space of everything god's promised 
And God's trying to, he has his angels delivering promises, and Satan has his demons and fallen angels resisting promises, and we are just pawns on this earth just thinking everything is going to work out, not realizing that our job is to pave a way through prayer so that God's angels have a right of access in our life, and we can deny that access because we don't believe We can deny that access because of sins in our own life. We can do it partially. We can believe partially. We can be, we can have divine, we can have this access denied because we have partial faith and not fully convinced faith. Let me just kind of pour this out for you. Point number one in your study guides. I don't ask you to remember all this thing, but I have it in your study guides so you can go over and over and over again. Number one, three stages that I've kind of helped you with about obeying the prompting, surrender. Keep your life in a space of surrender. My wife and I do devotions every morning, and I love it. It's one of the most special times with my wife because we want to keep our life in a space of surrender. Recently, we were reading through our Bible study about Ephesians, and God was speaking to me and saying, you know what, don't have a life that has any bitterness or any wrath. Then it says to be tenderhearted, and I went, that's not me. I'm not as tender as I should be. And I said, God, that's who you are. That's your promise. And so I'm aiming my life. I'm surrendering my life into that. Say, God, I want more of you in that space. I want to know you more. I want to know the tenderness and the long-suffering of who you are, God. I'm not going to strive to be tender and strive to be, you know what? I laugh because um, the other day my wife and I went around Duck Lake with a pontoon boat, and I'm not a guy that drives slow. That's just not me. The first thing I did when I went to go buy a pontoon boat was, what's the biggest motor you can put on the back of that thing? On a pontoon boat. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's got to move, all right? And so I get in this pontoon boat, and we went slow. I was so proud of myself. We went slow halfway around that lake. We got to the other half, and man, I ripped it all the way across the other side. And I went, that's progress. Because it was probably a few years ago, I would have made a quarter way around that lake, couldn't even do it. And so the, the point of it is, is it's realizing that, you know what? None of us have arrived, but God's doing a work in our hearts. And I don't want to do it for my wife to go slow, and the, although maybe she would be benefit from that, all right? But I want to do it unto the Lord. And he's prompting me. He's saying, Ron, you need to do this slow. You need to do this, listen. And are you following those promptings? And you go, well, so-and-so's not doing it. God goes, I didn't ask if so-and-so was doing it. I asked you. Well, that isn't even fair. You know, why do I, why do you, God's going, I remember God saying, I want you to show up at work and clean the other person's workplace. I went, no, what, what? I have a hard enough time cleaning my workplace. He goes, I want you to do that. And he goes, why, Lord? He goes, I didn't ask you to ask me why. I wanted you to do it. Surrender. Obey. A couple weeks ago, we talked about obedience. Obedience, you don't know what's in you or what's in somebody else until you get a no. If everything is yes, that's easy. But all of a sudden, you tell a kid no, or you get something, and all of a sudden, it's a no, or it's hard to do. That's when you find out if you really have faith. And then... Here's the last one, receive. Everybody say receive. Number two in your study guides. Receiving is the key, is the kingdom of God. It's the key. It's 
how you're going to receive the promise, God. This is when you want to have a moment where you're acting just like God. You want to have that place, what would Jesus do bracelet? You want to have a space where people go, wow, that was the Lord. What it's going to be is receiving the key. And here it is, John 1, verse 11. He came to that which was his own, Jesus talking about, that which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possession. And those who were his own people, the Jewish nation, did not say, did not say the word, did not receive and welcome him. But to as many as did, say it with me, and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. So it's all about receiving. If you want to act like God's kid, then it's going to be all about learning how to receive from the Lord. Number three, point number three is what I'm trying to get to. Hang-ups from receiving from God. What's our hang-up? What's keeping us from receiving? The first one I would say is condemnation, which means what did Adam and Eve do after they sinned? They ran from God. Yet God still showed up. They're gone. They sinned once. I dare anybody raise their hand they've only sinned once in this, in this auditorium. I certainly couldn't. They only sinned once, and they're still running from God. That's what we all do. It's in our nature when we make mistakes, when we do things that are wrong. We have a conscience that's dirty. It's filthy. It's called sin inside of us, and God's given us a way through, through this cross. He says, all you got to do is confess your sin, and I don't understand. All I got to do is confess my sin. He is faithful and just. It doesn't mean I'm faithful and just. He is faithful and just. And what happens is in the heavenly ways, God goes, he just paved a way for me to receive from God. All I need to do is confess. Are you serious? That seems so easy. It's ridiculously easy. But yet God paid. Yet so many people won't even pray. They maybe pray to ask God to forgive them of sin once, twice. And yet Jesus taught us to pray. God, I ask you forgive me as I forgive others. Why? Because you will not receive in the space Satan has legal access to steal from you, to take from you, to destroy your life, to kill your life, all because you're sitting here. God did not stop loving you. He never will stop loving you. God did not stop thinking about you. His thoughts are vast, so many thoughts for you. But what happens is, is between heaven and earth, there's this access point, there's this highway to receive from God, and you cannot receive from God because you have this unconfessed, Sin in your life. And Jesus says, all you got to do is confess. Why don't we do this every day? And I'm not trying to talk about making, you know, this Jesus prayer, the Lord's prayer, the only prayer. Please don't. Don't make a prayer that means, you know, to you, just repeating it, thinking you're going to get everything. Make it your prayer. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I'm thankful because of that, the way you see me, you see me the way you want to see me, perfect, ready to receive from you. You don't see sin because I have confessed my sin and you have cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Do you think Jesus struggled receiving from God? No. Why not? Well, he was, he was Jesus. 
Jesus came here as a man to show us what a man could be on earth and how a man can receive from God. And the way he did that is he did that sinless. So he had nothing in front of me. He says, that, I love how Jesus said it. He goes, Satan comes to try to take from me, but it's got nothing to work with. There's not a person in this room, not a person that's ever walked to the earth other than Jesus that could say that other than Jesus. So therefore, Jesus, being the fair Lord and Savior that he is, he goes, hmm, you need to say this so that when Satan does come, he doesn't have anything to work with, and all you need to do is confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive you. Number two, why don't people receive from God? They don't believe, they don't believe in God's will for their life. They struggle, believing, they struggle believing that God wants to do something great in their life. Don't, don't look too hard on this because, uh, honestly, Cain and Abel, they're the first people walking the face of the earth, and Cain struggled with it and killed Abel over it. And then Adam and Eve, all it took for them is struggle with this one tree. And then all of a sudden, here we are just a little bit, a few years later, in Noah, and he's the only family. The, rest of the, the whole rest of the world couldn't receive from God. And God goes, i got to start over. Nobody's receiving from me. Nobody's getting connected with me. Everybody is just all full of nonsense. Moses argues with God. I don't know how to talk. So all of us come to this place because we're way too self-conscious and not God-conscious. That's why God's given us prayer. That's why God's given us the word. That's why God's given us promises, so that we're not aware of ourself. We're aware of God in the space. It's all about him. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants to bring his reward in your life. He wants to bring those promises in your life. Third one. Partial faith or trust. You say, Pastor Ron, what is that? Partial faith or trust. James 1 verse 6. But when you ask God, but when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. It doesn't say God in the doctor. It doesn't say God in the finance counselor. It doesn't say God in the pastor. It doesn't say God in the elder. It doesn't say God in the wife, God in the man, husband. It says, have it, say it with me, God alone. Whoa, that's a big statement. In fact, it furthers the point right here. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. <clears throat> Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Pastor, you say you don't believe in doctors? No, I absolutely believe in doctors. I believe that, here's, I, believe that I have a crazy body in, in fact, that's trying to figure out who's in lead, who's going to lead this body, okay? And I have a spirit, born-again spirit inside of me that's supposed to be in charge. And then I have a soul, my mind, my will, and my emotion. My body's going where are we going? What are we going to do? 
And then and here's the crazy thing. My body has its own voice too. Hey, I'm hungry. Hey, I'm hungry. And my mind, my will goes, we just ate. You know, and then, and then my, my spirit goes, what does that got to do with anything? We're here in church. <laughs> do you see that? I mean, I can have all these things going on. And then all of a sudden, what can happen is I can be distracted. Because all of a sudden, someone next to me is doing something. A kid's crying or, a, or, or, or something. You know, I got a booger hanging in my, in my nose or something. Same little things can all of a sudden become distracted. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, I lose the space of the consciousness of God. And you know, it's no wonder. Here's Adam and Eve completely naked. And the only consciousness they have is God. And so from that time on, we became self-conscious. Since making decisions to better ourselves instead of making decisions to surrender ourselves. You truly want to better your life, then surrender your life. And then find out what God asks you to do in the space of obedience. And the last one I want to talk about, and it's not the last one, the last thing that keeps us from receiving the promises, but the last one today we're going to talk about, false humility. False humility. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, we capture this moment that uh, Moses has. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now. How many times have I heard people say, well, I don't know how to witness to people. I'm not very good with my... Yeah, okay, so please turn to this over and over and over because here's Moses saying the exact same thing. I'm not very good with my words. I've never been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? It is not I, the Lord. Now go and I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say, I'm going to close with this passage because many of us, including myself, felt very unworthy to walk in the space of honoring God. It'd be much easier for me um, in my life just to serve and, and take time to help others. And I love to serve others. I certainly love to serve God. But this scripture wrecked me many years ago. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Because I can think of many people, man, they're, they're more educated, um, they're more successful, um, they're just, they're more fluid in their speech, uh, they've got, uh, you know, a better track record, and they've got, Jane, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 gets rid of every one of my excuses. And gets rid of yours too. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those things that they think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Jephthah did. He received from the Lord. He was a person whose mother was a prostitute. He was a person whose, um, he feel, you know, figured he was ostracized. 
In fact, he started hanging around with a bunch of rebellious people, people that just were up to no good. And he just got a fighting attitude, probably because he was just tired of, you know, angry at the world, angry at his family. But God had a divine plan for his life. God had a divine plan for his life. You say, well, did God want and desire all that? God doesn't want, God doesn't use sin to get to truth. But what God will do is he'll allow grace to lead somebody out of sin to truth. That's how good our God is. And God wants to show the world his love, show the world his power, to express his ways through your life. That none of us are worthy of serving. I mean, if we could, if, if any of us in just a blink of a moment would get caught up in heaven in all of his majestic ways, we would be so in awe, we'd be speechless. In fact, most of us would, I think if all of us would fall prostrate, everybody that's ever gotten in the, in the presence of an angel falls prostrate. Can you imagine getting in the presence of all those angels and then the, in the space of the majesty of God? We'd be fallen face down. And then that same majesty chooses us to serve him. And then show the world his love, his hope. And if we could get this inside of us, Hebrews eleven six, to know that God wants to bring that reward inside of our hearts and know how great it is, we would not want to keep it to ourselves because it was too big to keep. So Satan recognizes, just like he's done throughout history, if I can make them feel dirty, not good enough, I can make them feel like, you know, you've been divorced, you've been, you've been uh, abandoned, you've gone through addictions, you've been hated, you've been ostracized, you have struggled in your workplace. You're struggling raising kids. But you can just get all of this, all of the hardship. You can become so mindful of the world and its hardships and not mindful of the promise and God's greatness. Because that's the dilemma, isn't it? The promise and his greatness or the struggles and the strife of life. What are you going to be mindful of and what are you going to get to that point where God, I receive it. Not, I'm not worthy of it. I just want to receive it. I want to receive your love. I want to receive your hope. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive your healing. I want to receive your strength. I want to receive your promises. I want to, God, I want to be everything you've called me to be. I want to be your special child to show the world how special you are. Father, I thank you for just this moment. Lord, think about every moment we have. It's in the past now. We can't have it again. But you've been here with us. And Lord, you have so many moments in front of us that you want to be in front of, that you want to be included. God, you have so many of those spaces of your presence and your power of heaven that would touch earth. Here we are, God, 
I like how Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And Father, I, I don't know how many are in this room right now that feel condemned, that feel beat down, lost. Jesus, you paid such a price so they can be lit up with you, that they're a child of God and that the past is in the past and that you have so much future for their lives. You want to write new chapters. If you're here this afternoon right now, whether you're watching this or you're in this service with us right now, and the presence of God is talking to you, prompting you to accept Him, to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've lost your way and your path and you want to come back to Him. Come on, open up your arms. Surrender to Him. Take this moment. Surrender to Him. If that's you, we're going to pray. And after we get done praying and worshiping, Pastor Chad's going to give you an invitation as we as a church want to walk beside you. Pray this prayer with me right now in your new journey. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. In Jesus' name, I belong to you. I am your child from here and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.